0: Hello, hello, and welcome to the sixth take of the intro for today's episode of Saddest Night Out. My name is Roy, and I am the host of this daily podcast, and it's primarily about music and creative culture in London. Today's guest, I call him this in the episode, and I'll say it again in the intro. I believe he is the biggest fan of live music that I've ever met. His name is Andres Vicente. And on this conversation, he takes us on a bit of a guided tour through his history with live music, how he first got into it, how he goes about deciding what it is he's going to see, how much he's seen over the years, some of the highs, some of the lows. This is someone whose enthusiasm for the live music sector is really self-evident and something that I would love to inspire in others. And maybe introducing the people listening to this podcast to someone who is through and through a fan of live music might make you want to see what he's talking about and maybe you can glean some of that enthusiasm off of him so we caught up during the lunch hour in London we were just outside of Pret-a-Manger and yeah, he just tells us all about how he first got into it and what it is he loves about it so this is me talking to Andres Vicente and I'll tell you a bit more about me and what I'm getting up to afterwards Enjoy this chat, and I'll talk to you in a bit. Okay, we're live, it's lunchtime. I'm on Warren Street outside of Pret, and I'm here with someone who I think might be the biggest fan of live music that I know. What's your
1: name? I'm Andres Vicente.
0: Welcome to the show, Andres. So, do you
1: remember when you first went to see live music? I went my first show was actually The Spice Girls, 1998, wow. and I, I claim it because people would say, like, nah, this machine is like, no, that was my first thing that I went to. Who it took was- you to that? My dad. because I was like 14. obviously I wasn't even allowed to go by myself. It was it was my, it was me and a friend, and my dad sitting behind, looking like, "Well, when is this going to finish?" <laughs> like oh. like many dads. Yeah. That, so, <laughs> I imagine any show like that, even like the
0: Justin Bieber, Taylor Swift, there's all the fans and there's all the parents were just there, like, "Oh, how much longer is left? got <laughs> to wait it out?" So from that, how, how did you get into Spice Girls? Just because they were phenomenon, everyone
1: was a fan. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I did like them a lot, I think actually it was uh, it was a compilation, mm-hmm. originally I think, where they went on, it was a lot of electronic hip music and they had some remixes in it and I think that was it, I mean it was at the very beginning yeah. when they came on, and, but it was some remixes that they had at the beginning, I think. Okay,
0: and from that first show, did that inspire your appetite for live music, but you wanted to get to see more straight away?
1: I don't think so, I don't think at that time, at that so early on I was like, for as Madrid the music scene is not that big, it fluctuates, it comes and goes, but the, the investment is not there, so it's yeah. never been a thing, so it wasn't, at that time I wasn't feeling like I had a reason to go and watch live music, I was more into going to the cinema at that time and I was going to yeah. lots of movies. And I think like the first like proper show that I would call my show it was probably Coco Rossi. Okay. Uh, it was at the time when all the new like psych folk yeah. stuff in the States were coming and there was a lot of like big things coming. So this is still in Madrid? Yeah, that was still in Madrid. So that was the first like was that the start so. of a bunch like you yeah.
0: really going to see shows. So were there more shows happening in Madrid at that time then?
1: A bit more because there was this scene coming, but most of the time it was like Barcelona, US mm. Primavera, it was all, everybody coming there and not to Madrid. Then some would come to Madrid, like the bigger, the ones getting bigger, uh, like Lisa Germano that has some more background, uh, and Coco Rossi, because Pedro Modelo was a fan of Coco Rossi so of course they came, <laughs> and, and all that stuff. But it wasn't that much. So when did you come to London? Uh, 2008, and that coincided, so it was the first reason that, we were, like, pushed me to go and see live music, it was around, like, 2007, I think, that I saw Shu Shu. It was actually on a, like, late-night TV show in Spain, and I stumbled on him almost, like, sweating blood on the stage. And I was like, <laughs> this guy's amazing. He's, like so I, I, had, I didn't know him. And then, if you listen to the records, it sounds amazing, but when you see him live, it's ridiculous. (laughs) And and he was playing, and so, like, soon after, and I went to see him, and there was like, this is the reason to come and see live music. suddenly, it was an experience. It wasn't just, you know, what you've heard on the album. It was a thing.
0: So that's when you felt like okay, live music. Is and that's what something is. else entirely. Yeah. that's what it's at. Now you started with Spice Girls. You mentioned <laughs> Shushu and Kokorosi. There's a slight a difference. A in <laughs> is there a particular genre or
1: taste that you're attracted to or does anything go? Pretty much anything. is like I've got I've got some issues with like jazz, but it's not because I have issues with jazz, it's because the jazz scene there's so much stuff that's like not that good. <laughs> <laughs> like the improv jazz, so many people think they can do improv jazz and they can't, Uh, Um, and there's a lot of like super dense of that stuff and it's mm -hmm. like, it's very hard to like navigate and like find something that I find interesting within the jazz scene that's not like just boredom for an hour, (laughs) Uh, but it's like, I have no issues as long as it's like something interesting I'm fine with any younger. So
0: 2008, you come to London, you've got a taste for live music, do you start going to lots of shows straight away?
1: I started going to quite a lot because I, I had, I think, MoWai was probably, like, the first big one. So it was MoWai with Fuck Buttons and Errols. So it was an amazing lineup. And they had an after party after. And I think that was the first one because I've been a fan of MoWai for a long time. Uh, and that was, like, soon after I moved here. And when I was going, by I was a student and I didn't have that much money. Yeah. So my, my main limitation with that was, like, a lot of thinking about... Do I go to this one? Do I not go to this one? If I go to this one, which has been announced early in the month, will I be able to buy something later in the month if it comes? <laughs> yeah. well, I will be poor. And so that, yeah. that was the kind of thing. It's like I thought that I bought tickets for like five shows this month. I can't afford more. <laughs> That's my limit. I've got to stop there. So that, that was my thing.
0: Because I, I went to university in Huddersfield, actually around 2008, and I would go to shows in Leeds and Manchester. I had a similar thing. I'd have maybe after bills and so on, I'd have maybe 200 pounds. For a term. So it's like okay, if I just eat plain bread and black tea, I can afford this ticket, this ticket, this ticket, etc., etc.
1: That's a thing. I've had like many, many end of months of eating pasta and rice. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. like suddenly an expensive ticket is along. I was like yeah, it's going to be pasta for that week.
0: <laughs> so how are you finding out about shows? Because these days there's all sorts of websites and apps, etc. But back then, what was your go-to to find I think
1: out? I was lucky because when I came, it was literally at the time Songkick had launched. Oh, okay. And I think I stumbled on it. So I had bought, I don't know if it was Q or Uncat or something like that, at the airport when I was I think it was literally when I was coming from Spain here, or like <laughs> the other way around. And I had bought it just to have something to read. And yeah. in one of the little bits at the end, it said, oh, this website has launched where well, they have all the Listed listings all the and all that stuff so that was the so I just went for it and then because it was early on and it was at a time when I was still finding about stuff it was easy enough to like synchronize what I had on iTunes and stuff like that Yeah. and just and now then I've been keeping it manually because now if I had to synchronize all my Spotify that would be death but (laughs) at at that time it was manageable enough and the website was just starting that it was easy enough so then we just caught each other at the right time and I've been using Soundkick since So at your peak, how many shows would you go to
0: in a week? And has that changed much up to now?
1: Oh, my Lord. Uh, A a year, I think, would be around 150 to 200. Wow. Uh, In one week, the peak, I think, must have been 11 okay already let me stop you right there seven nights a week walk me through that how are we doing 11 shows in one week See, if you, you have like the five and mm-hmm. then you do three and three <laughs> then that, that, that's as much as you can do it's like i've, I've done nine like no that, that hasn't been that weird in like the last couple of years to like do nine in a week it hasn't wow. been unusual. Eleven was like the max because, like, you can't you can't do more than eleven because it's like five, six, and six. Yeah, that's as much as you that, can do. Yeah, that's <laughs> more
0: than most can do. That's impressive, right? There. See, listeners, I wasn't kidding when I said this guy is the biggest love of live music that I know. So, if you can off the top of your head, are there some venues in particular that stood out that you'd
1: regularly go to back then? Uh, I think I don't know. It's like now I would definitely like vouch for Earth, mm-hmm. which is like one of the most recent ones that has opened. Uh, but it's an amazing space, the theater. Because the theatre is an art deco cinema and it was closed for ages and now they've reopened it. They've left it mostly untouched, just they've made it safe and like cleaned it up and just revamped it a bit. But it's it's as it was, there are like holes in the wall and stuff and it's just safe and nice wow. but the, it's an amazing place sounds amazing also because i think it's the shape of the theater and the way it's built with the concrete the sound sounds big but it doesn't sound boomy that it can like, detract from the music it's, it sounds amazing looks amazing out of like the cavern venue i think that's probably one of my favorite venues for sure
0: and it's just down the road from where birthdays used to be yeah so it's quite nice that we lost one, but now that one has sprung up in its wake. So that's nice. Are there any venues you really like, any other venues you like
1: that aren't with us anymore? Oh, the Luminaire. That's was the was uh, Oh, right. It was when things used to happen in West London at some point <laughs> in history. That right. West London had a scene in the uh, Kilburn high street mm-hmm. because it was the good ship was there. Uh, the Luminaire was there and there were a couple others doing like more kind of like open mind kind of stuff mm-hmm. uh, And The good was very specialized on post-rock and math rock and that kind of stuff and, and they had a lot of comedy in between And the Luminaire was amazing It was run by an amazing guy The people who used to be at the venue then went on to form Savages. Oh, wow! (laughs) So that's the. Jenny Beth? Yeah, Jenny used to work at the Luminaire. Okay. Um, And Andy, who used to do the bookings at the Luminaire, he was their tour manager. (laughs) So that was the, the first, I think it was the first ever Savages show was the last ever show at the Luminaire they, they had a final show and then they had the funeral show <laughs> and the funeral show was Savages playing and I think that was their first ever show but I was like uh, Adele played at uh, the Luminaire uh, like almost anybody who was like half big now you say it's like where did you start in London almost 100% if the Luminaire was around it was the Luminaire
0: wow RIP to the Luminaire so, in your history of going to shows, larger shows versus smaller shows, is there a preference? Not much difference
1: to you? I prefer smaller so that's why I try and be on top of it, and try and be as like, experimental as I can to catch things earlier. Because then, the bigger it gets, then first of all, the more expensive it gets, obviously, you lose contact with the band, it gets a bit detached. Uh, the venues, the venues are nice, but it's a different experience, it gets bigger, then also you get all, oh, when things go mainstream, you get a lot of new fans coming in, a lot of queuing early to get into places, yeah. and then it becomes a different thing, it's more, more of an ordeal to like go to South and just rock it up to a small place, yeah, there, and it's a different thing.
0: Do you ever go to shows not knowing who's playing, but just going to see? Or do you normally not have an idea before you go?
1: I mean, it's with the so the way that I do, which is why Songkick was a big thing, is uh, every time I listen to something that's mildly interesting, just one track mm-hmm. that I like, whether it's from a podcast, radio, a friend who's told me something that's popped up on Facebook, I go straight on Songkick and put them in. So I know they have something yeah. that I like whether it's like representative or not or if it's big or small there's something that I like mm-hmm. then when I get the the update saying oh they are playing here then I go and check and then I sit on Spotify and it's like is it worth going to see these people Okay, and, and then I buy but then I might buy it with like six months in advance by the time the show comes along I might have forgotten how the, sound, <laughs> the band sounds I've got no idea so it's like <laughs> surprise So it, it, that's a good thing it's like you yeah. know you know you like it, you go and check it, and it's like, it's cool, you buy a ticket, and then it comes, and it's another surprise, <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, that was a double surprise. Like discovering the band all over yeah. again.
0: So are there any shows recently you've been to that were really good?
1: Uh, I think the, the Max Cooper, so there was a, the Barbican Organizers of the Year, a weekend of classical music, but reinvented in a way, trying to use all the different venues that the City of London and the Barbican mm-hmm. organise. Um Max Cooper was doing a reworking with an American pianist of Philip Glass's, works, and that was awesome, because he it was it was the pianist who was amazing, playing most of my favourite stuff by Philip Glass, and then Max Cooper was doing his own rejigging of it, it sounded awesome.
0: And is there anything in the near future that you... Remember, you've got a ticket too. And I'm oh my
1: to... god, I'm looking forward to it. Like, I've got no idea. At least <laughs> I don't know because the the thing that I had, I was looking. So I had the Royal Power Weekend, and it was just gone, mm. and that was really good. See,
0: so, yeah, what about festivals? Do you tend to go to many of those? Like, say, Reading, Glass, and anything like that? Not,
1: no, not like that big. It's like I did my amount. I don't really go out that much of London apart from like Brighton or if, like somebody big. Play something interesting like when Stone Roses did Manchester. I went to that one, obviously. And okay. um, I do go to Atonal is my so Atonal is my in Berlin. That's my big thing. So that's that, I, that would that would be like the thing that I'm looking forward the most because that's in August in Berlin. Uh, the venue. Speaking of good venues, the venue is ridiculous. You have the reason to go it's just because the venue is amazing. It's this big... It was a power plant. Part of the power plant is still running. But there's the, the old part of the power plant is abandoned. Wow. And now they've repurposed it into like this big arts and cultural centre. And it's amazing. They've put so much effort into like the lighting and the sound. Uh, the curation is ridiculous. Um, it's mainly electronic and experimental stuff. Which it, it could be yeah. part of, like, my thing. I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm coming, in a way, from, like, a lot of the dance scene from the 90s. That was, like, of like, my first, like, active things that I was interested in, was the dance music from the early 90s. I've been always interested in techno and trance, but now more entertainment. Okay. So, so that's, that's Berlin, right? That's Berlin. And How would
0: was... you compare... Have you seen many other music scenes outside of London? How would you compare London to, like, say, Berlin or... Spain
1: now? I think it's, it's things. There are, there are, that's two different, very different places. Because mm-hmm. Spain has generally been... Because we are very loud, chatty people in Spain. Mm-hmm. So if you go to Spanish so uh, so in Spain, the chances are of more people talking and the crowd being less respectful in general tends to happen a lot more. But that's also true from London yeah. when you compare it to Brighton. It's like Dayton shows, people are usually like m- more keen, quieter, uh, there's less fast around, there's less hype about things, there's less, here's one of the things I would see with Brighton is so start early, finish early, you are there for the music, that's the point of the thing, that's why you are there. In London there's a lot of like going out and like seeing and being seen okay, and there's yeah. a lot more of that around that of, like, It's like why did you spend £15 pounds to come here and have a chat with your workmate? <laughs> <That's> I don't <laughs> understand which, that, that was a big thing in birthdays because it was what it was instead of Winton-Dolston the, yeah. and the kind of music they had was very sinister kind of music you got a sinister crowd which you get in London a lot more than you get in Manchester or in Glasgow or in Titan, that's for sure. Okay. And there's
0: at least one show to look forward to in the kind of near future. Is it December or November? that Chromatics are coming back to town? Correct. That was where we first met. I think it was Madame JoJo's. Yes. I got there early. I think you were the first person I saw in the queue. <laughs> I, was met, I think you took some videos from that yes. show. So that's how I remember. I think maybe, I want to say 2012. Maybe around then, but definitely a few years ago. 2012,
1: 2013.
0: Yeah quite a few years ago and I loved when you sent me a message a few weeks ago saying I guess we're going to get together again I didn't even have to ask and you exactly what
1: you were talking about like, yes, yes yes that's another one I want to look to forward to for sure <laughs> yeah. so do you remember how you first got into chromatics oh lord I think it was probably because they were well they were they still are I guess mm-hmm. uh, they were Portland based yeah um, so they were part of the Pacific Northwest thing and like now things have changed because now I know more people and now Facebook is a thing and now Spotify's around and there are many things. But back when I was in Spain and I didn't know as many people and there were so many outlets and stuff like that, most of my music discovery and still quite a lot of it came through KXP Seattle, the radio station yeah i've been on uh, the youtube channel many times yes it's, it's become a thing now back then not that much of a thing it was it was in the u.s it was popular it wasn't now it's massive but mm. at that time i literally stumbled by absolute accident while i was bored after studying on a saturday uh-huh. and i stumbled on them and it was at a time i was very into my nirvana and all the Seattle sing things, so oh, I said, definitely, yeah. "Let's give this Seattle day session a go." And suddenly, it was KXP. <laughs> <laughs> and, but because they are localish, mm. then they've always been on top of bands from both Seattle and Portland. Okay. And and they played Chromatics, and that was the first time I ever heard Chromatics. And that was like two thousand and six, seven. So it was it was very early, very early yeah, on. Yeah. Um, I remember going on Wikipedia. So I, I think I, I I don't think I started in the end, but I, I was one of the first contributors to the Chromatics wiki page. Because it didn't exist. It's like, <laughs> at, the time, at the time I went to Chromatics, I didn't have a wiki page. That's it's how like, far back. <laughs> if you went to Wikipedia and looked for... Chromatics. You found the chromatic scale. <laughs> so that, that was the only thing. I, I kept going to Wiki and see like if somebody had created something about chromatics, the chromatic scale <laughs> no. still. N- so I, I don't think I, I ever like came around to like actually studying myself. Yeah. But then I kept hovering and seeing it was Discox. There was the early records were on Discogs. That's the only thing. And then I was trying to like search on. It was the block time where there were lots of blogs and things from MySpace happening. Yeah. And, and that's how then I started like, digging through some... Th- there were some blogs from Mexico and like from Latin America who were a lot into the Italo Disco and Electro stuff, which mm-hmm. was the big thing in
0: 2007.
1: Yeah. Um, and they were like gathering bits and pieces from like like castles and chromatics and this and that. And that's how we like built knowledge of these bands that nobody knew about. Yeah. So, that was how you might have built up your Wikipedia page. (laughs) That's what you'd say, was like going through the blogs, painting things. (laughs) Well,
0: I, for one, am definitely looking forward to that show. Andres, thank you very much for your time. My pleasure. And I have no doubt we'll bump into each other again at another show for another part of this conversation. Thank you so much. My pleasure. And that was that. Thank you very much to Andres for your time. That was a really fun conversation. It was great to catch up with him again, just in general. Because, as I mentioned in the episode, we met quite a few years ago. It's been ages since we've been to a show together or just seen each other. So it was great to sit down with him and just remind myself of what a really interesting person he is. My biggest hope for this conversation is that maybe his attitude towards live music could become a bit contagious. Here is someone who has a long and storied history with live music and is very cognizant of it. He talks very intelligently and with much passion and enthusiasm about live music. It's not just, "Oh, he's seen this band," or "He's been to this venue." It's not. He's not one of. Those, he's the antithesis to the type of person who goes to maybe one or two shows a year, or maybe just goes to Glastonbury. He's going out, actively seeking new music, actively supporting it. And I don't. You don't need me to tell you that music in general needs more people like Anders. Art in general, culture in general needs more people like Anders who really care about people who are creating something interesting and will go and seek it out and support it and spread the word about it. I'll put a link to his YouTube channel in the notes. I think it's A-N-D-U-N-E-M-I-R. Let's go with that. Andu I think that's how you spell it. If you search for that, you should find his channel and see quite a few of the videos he's made of the shows he's been to so thank you once again Andres great chat in fact it's quite fitting that it was Andres I spoke to because I have an announcement roll, please I guess I I don't know I haven't got the budget for sound effects I have what I do have is a live show on Tuesday the 25th of June loads of Japanese bands my band will be playing at Road Trip and the Workshop on Old Street that's Tuesday 25th of June I've already lined up the artists that will be playing with me. It will be Juliet and Nanette, Its Own Animal, and Delilah Black and Buckley. All of whom have been on the podcast before. If I can, I might try and post links to those episodes in the notes for this episode. But if you just search Saddest Night Out and either Juliet and Nanette... It's Own Animal or Delilah Black and Buckley. I'm sure you'll find those conversations. I'm really excited about it. I've got a lot of work to do to make sure I'm ready for it and my band is ready for it. And before then, friend of the podcast, Sean, and the Paper Boat Collective will be playing at the Stag's Head Sunday the 16th of June. There'll be a whole bunch of artists, including some of the artists who are part of the collective. And it should be a real good time. Just a whole bunch of talented people getting together and playing each other's music. And again, appreciating the art. I just, I can't praise enough Andres' attitude towards live music. He's like a patron saint of going to shows. And the more work I can put towards inspiring that spirit in more people, the better off we'll all be. So, thank you Andres. I think I might go into more detail about what I've been up to on my next episode. Suffice to say, Ben Todd from the Nelsons and Josh. Again, I'll explain who these people are more in the next episode, but they are my bestest friends right now because this week has been a very interesting one. Same goes to Tyler. Again, to be continued. All will be explained in due time. Otherwise, thank you very much for listening. Sunday 16th of June at the Stag's Head. Tuesday 25th of June at Road Trip and The Workshop. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode. You know, this outro is like the third take as well. I've just been so tired. I don't know what it is. My head's not in the right place. But you didn't come here to listen to me whine. You came... I don't know why you come here. Thanks for listening. I'll stop myself before I ramble any further. I'll catch you on the next episode. Take care, folks.